This is a podcast for Functional Ecology, a British Ecological Society publication. Okay, well, I'm uh, Ken Thompson, one of the senior editors of Functional Ecology, and I'm talking to Ranway uh, Jacobson, um, author of a paper in the journal called Exclusion of Invertebrates Influences Saprotrophic Fungal Community and Wood Decay Rate in an experimental field study. And uh, Ranway's paper was a candidate for the Haldane Prize. Um, and although it didn't win, it came very close and was very highly commended by me and my, and my fellow editors. So I'm really looking forward to talking to her a little bit today about it. So um, can we just start Ranway by asking you to just very briefly describe uh, what your study was about and and what you were trying to do what you did and very briefly what you what you actually found sure so uh, our uh, question was how to test the influence and the importance of invertebrates uh, in deadwood specifically how they influence uh, fungal communities and how they influence wood decay directly and indirectly um, so that was our question, and we tried to uh, come up with ways of experimentally testing this in the field. Um, and uh, it was uh, hard to land on an optimal method, but uh, we landed on uh, doing an exclusion experiment, which uh, there haven't been uh, many of in when it comes to deadwood, uh, and especially not field experiments. Uh, we uh, have made uh, we made an experiment where we uh, excluded invertebrates from uh, fresh logs, uh, aspen trees in this case, um, and we made several uh, control uh, treatments as well, one of which being simply a log with no exclusion treatment. And the exclusion treatment, I have to say, was uh, cages, uh, which we made from a fine mesh net. So uh, it was a mechanical exclusion, and uh, obviously these Whatever exclusion method we chose, it would have some side effects. And in this case, it could be effects of the cage itself on uh, humidity or winds or shade. So we had uh, one control, which was a sort of a cage control, where we made similar cages or uh, the same cages as for the exclusion treatment, but we cut holes into them to allow invertebrates to access the logs uh, while simultaneously uh, subjecting the logs to the same effects uh, of the cage or these similar effects as those for the exclusion treatment. And then we had the fourth treatment, uh, which was uh, meant to function as a positive control, where we put uh, bottles of uh, ethanol simply next to the logs uh, with holes for evaporation, uh, because uh, several studies have shown that uh, uh, some insects that utilize wood, uh, they are attracted to ethanol because uh, decay of fresh wood often starts with yeast fungi and decomposing sugar in the sap. And this makes ethanol as a byproduct in the same way as when we use uh, yeast to make uh, uh, beer or wine. And therefore, there's several species uh, of insects that are adapted to smelling ethanol and being attracted to it to find fresh dead wood. So that was why we had an ethanol-baited positive control. So that was the experimental setup to try to make a gradient of uh, invertebrate colonization of logs and then sample the logs after, in this case, two seasons 
to see how this affected uh, the fungal community that uh, assembled in the logs and the rate of wood decay. So that was the basic setup. Um, should I go on to the results as well, or? Yeah, just just briefly tell us um, tell us what what you found. Yeah. So um, we took uh, wood samples for uh, DNA metabarcoding of the fungal communities because uh, these logs had been uh, subject to uh, two seasons of decay after felling the trees, and uh, very few a few fruit bodies were visible, but very few fruit bodies can develop in such a short time. Uh, and in general, there's a whole uh, community of fungi that uh, are not present as fruit bodies, at least not at a certain time point. So uh, metabarcoding allows us to uh, to figure out what fungi are actually present in the wood. And we also took uh, wood core samples to uh, measure wood density as an estimate for wood decay, where differences in wood density would indicate more or less decayed wood, with a lower density indicating more decayed wood. And uh, when we analyzed uh, these uh, samples, uh, there was, for the fungal community composition, a lot of variation uh, with these high throughput sequencing data sets that you get nowadays. Uh, there's a lot of data and a lot of sequences and several uh, what they call uh, operational taxonomic units, uh, sort of species hypothesis. Um, but despite this very large variation uh, and very large variation between uh, individual trees, even though they were all of the same species, but we still did see uh, a significant effect of the treatment. So the, depending on whether we had excluded insects or not, the fungal community composition was uh, different. And uh, what we were really interested to see was that we actually saw the same gradient as the one we hypothesized, uh, hypothesized where uh, the caged logs with invertebrates, mostly all invertebrates in excluded, were most different from the ethanol-baited logs uh, that we uh, hypothesized would be a positive control. And the caged control and the control logs were intermediate and relatively similar, which you wouldn't expect if the main uh, effect of the treatments was the cage itself. So we found uh, an indication, relatively strong indication, that uh, invertebrates do influence fungal community composition, um, even though the, uh, the amount of variation that was explained was a bit small. But as I said, there is a lot of variation in these data sets. And we also found a difference in uh, wood density, and this was also small but still significant when we compared uh, the caged logs with the uh, control logs especially. Um, the caged logs in general had a slightly higher wood density, indicating that they were less decayed, which could be, of course, because we excluded uh, insects, uh, many of which are wood-inhabiting insects that contribute to wood decay, but it could also be an effect of how these uh, invertebrates were affecting fungal community composition. So, the I must say, when I first started to read your paper i had this kind of idea that that these invertebrates would be um would be busy you know burrowing holes in your in your logs and allowing the fungi to to penetrate the wood yeah. um and, and colonize them and so on but in fact you didn't you didn't find those big you didn't find those those effects did you, you did, no your, your invertebrates were not were not visibly um colonizing the logs so 
So what was what was the mechanism? How were, how were the invertebrates doing this? We, uh, as you say, we didn't see any uh, entrance holes or tunnels or visible uh, uh, traces of insects burrowing into the woods. Uh, but we did see several insects on the logs, uh, many of which were um, uh, either uh, predators or fungivores. Um, and in general, it's as far as we have, as far as we know, there's like three main ways that the invertebrates can influence fungal community composition in deadwood. And one thing is this uh, this tunneling and substrate alteration that they uh, influence the deadwood itself, and somehow this changes its uh, properties for the fungi. But they can also influence the fungi more directly, either by grazing on fungi or by bringing propagules of fungi to new substrates. So. Uh, in the absence of at least visible tunnels, as far as uh, we can uh, think when it comes to what we know of how uh, insects behave, uh, their influence should be either through grazing or tropical dispersal or probably a bit of both. And um, uh-huh. for grazing to have an effect on deadwoods, of course they can graze on the surface of the deadwood, uh, fungal hyphae, eating fungi. Um, but we would expect that the the effect would be stronger if they actually tunneled into the wood and and uh, ate uh, this wood uh, fungi mix as well, because there are some studies yeah. uh, using wood blocks in the labo- laboratory uh, that uh, tested grazing effects, and they see that invertebrates can have very strong effects on uh, fungi. Uh, fungal hyphae spreading in the soil or on top of the soil, but the effect is not that strong within the wood blocks because the invertebrates that they use there don't actually tunnel into the woods. So in the absence of invertebrates tunneling into the woods, um, I would think that propagule dispersal could be a more likely candidate for how these insects are influencing fungal communities, especially since this is at such an early stage of the succession of fungi in the deadwood. There are several studies showing that uh, arrival time, which fungal species uh, are present in the woods early, uh, can be very important for how the fungal community develops. And uh, there are also several studies showing that insects uh, bring with them fungi, um, either accidentally as they emerge from deadwood or because they land on uh, fruit bodies to eat spores before they go on to deadwoods. Okay, so you think you think the uh, the insects are important fungal dispersers? Yes, uh, basically. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think so. And there's there's a lot of indications of it, but there's uh, it's difficult to test the importance. And that was also a bit of our motivation for this study. We were interested in uh, propagule dispersal and tried to think how can we test whether this actually has an effect on the community. Yeah. Now. One of the things that surprised me when I read your paper, and, and I got the feeling reading it that it surprised you a bit too, is how very different the the different logs were. As you say, even though they were cut from the same um, the same species, um, logs from different trees behaved really quite differently. In fact, in fact, the effect of the individual tree was much larger than the effect of your actual experimental treatments. And that that seemed to me to be really surprising. Um, do you do you have any idea at all what was going on there? Um, 
there's uh, several things that probably varied between individual trees. Uh, I was also surprised because we we chose to uh, use trees that were all from the same stands for this very reason to try to reduce the variation between trees. Uh, otherwise, we could have uh, felled trees in the forests where we were actually going to use them. Instead, we felled them some other place where we had enough trees, and then we had to drive them all the way out into the forest, which uh, <laughs> foresters that helped us with this thought was absolutely idiotic. <laughs> but so you, so actually, you did you did your best to to eliminate. Yeah this variation yeah, we really did. Um, but yeah. we were aware that there could still be differences so of course we randomized uh, which lo the logs uh, at each site and uh, and the ones that were uh, assigned to each treatment so that they were not all from, there was a mix from the different trees but uh, yeah. these differences can stem from uh, genetic differences between the individual trees or they can stem from environmental differences in how they uh, where they have grown and even though these trees were all from a relatively small uh, stand, um, according to uh, uh, called, uh, forest ecologists, I guess they're called, uh, even yep. these small scale variations can have quite a large effect on, uh, on the wood chemistry within the trees. So we actually have started to look a bit on that because we um, we wanted to take to do some uh, tests of uh, nutrient content and, uh, and content of defensive compounds uh, in the trees uh, using these fresh wood samples that we took right after felling. Um, and I didn't have time to do that during my work with this, but uh, now we have been able to uh, to process these samples. So we have the raw data, and we're working on some preliminary analysis. And again, we're seeing the same thing, that there's a lot of variation between individual trees in content of nitrogen and carbon, all the compounds. Um, and it seems to, we haven't analyzed it completely, but it seems to explain quite a lot of the variation in the fungal tree, even at this point two years right. later, where they have been decaying for a few seasons. Okay, so these... These were uh, aspen trees, and these were, of course, that's not a forestry tree, is it? So they were, this was the, these were naturally sown wild yeah. aspen trees, as it, as it were. And yeah. they could be, I okay, mean, so aspen you... creates clones, uh, so they could be quite genetically similar. We don't know that, um, since they were growing close to yes. each other. Yeah, that was another interesting thing that I thought, because as, as you said, aspen is clonal, so... Even even different uh, stems could be could be actually could be the same tree, which makes the variation even <laughs> yes. more surprising. But apparently, according yeah. to this um, a colleague of mine who's a yeah, forest ecologist or tree physiologist or whatever it's called, uh, aspen is known to have quite a lot of variation actually in their wood chemistry. Yeah, but there's right. not that many studies okay. of uh, yeah I call it wood chemistry, but chemistry within the tree and there's more studies of uh, variation in the leaves uh, probably in relation to herbivores yeah. uh, not that many studies of variation in the wood itself yeah oh that's really interesting so one thing that occurs to me is you this was after two years um, of decay the paper you published and obviously in the in the in the life of a decaying log that's that's pretty early um, so this this struck me really as as the beginning of potentially a much longer experiment. So are these logs still out there being, being monitored? They uh, were out there. Now 
now it's uh, well i guess we're closing in on on six years later last summer it was the the fifth season uh, and then we were able to take some new samples uh, to do we haven't processed them yet but we're going to uh, do uh, dna metabarcode uh, to see how the fungal communities have developed uh, so then they have had uh, five seasons still not a very long time though uh, and that and that seasons after the point where this paper was published we weren't able to keep the treatments up so they haven't uh, invertebrates haven't been excluded uh, but in a way that could be also quite interesting to see whether these initial differences uh, are uh, continued uh, even though the treatments themselves aren't continued uh, but uh, so the logs right, are okay. still out there but unfortunately it's very likely that the forest will be logged <laughs> at several of the sites since this huh? is managed forest and and we place them in uh, relatively mature uh, forested areas so uh, uh, it might have been the last chance last year to do sampling. So that's why we <laughs> hurried to get okay, the samples, so, at least from that point of time. Right. So the whole study could come to an end because the forest will be yeah. felled and, yeah. and replanted. Yeah, we're not so yes. lucky yeah. to have our okay. own experimental forest. We <laughs> have to use these no, uh, okay. areas owned by <laughs> private foresters. Yeah. But they have been yeah. very accommodating, though. They even uh, they even warned us uh, and and told us in advance. Uh, and I, I think they've also tried to avoid up until this point to log these areas. So they've been quite kind. Yeah, but at least at least you have five years data now. So there there may be some interesting results to yeah. to publish. Yeah, we're very uh, interested to see. Yeah. I mean. It's not unlikely yeah. that the uh, at least the treatment differences ha have disappeared over the last three years. If they haven't disappeared, that's quite impressive, yeah. I would say. Yeah. So there's so there's the five year data for the same logs, and there's there's the stuff you just described on um, on looking at differences in yeah. uh, tree chemistry between individual stems. Um, so what? What else? What are the big? What are the other big questions that come out of this work? And and are you following it up in, well, in other uh, ways? Trying. We're writing applications for uh, projects, but uh, we'll see if we get funded or not. So the the main thing we want to do is to do a, a more long term experiment, uh, but that's always difficult because this project uh, funding is usually for maybe a maximum of four years. But I think that's the biggest question. Yes. What what would have been the consequences uh, of uh, both excluding invertebrates uh, totally as far as it's were able, but it would also be very interesting if we could have more of a gradient of uh, excluding uh, uh, either in terms of abundance or functional groups uh, and see whether the uh, the effect is uh, dependent on certain groups or or a certain sort of drop in abundance, which would be very interesting uh, to link to the uh, the varying papers about insect decline. Because that's the biggest question, I think, yeah. whether if we're able to follow wood decay for a longer period so that we get closer to sort of the true effect of uh, dead wood in the forest, whether uh, abundance or certain species of insects uh, uh, are necessary for a certain uh, speed of decay or whether the nutrient cycling or carbon cycling is influenced by absence or presence of these insects. And of course, going right. in even further, it would be very interesting if we had been able to link this to uh, both soil chemistry, but also forest productivity and tree growth. Yeah. So so basically, the, the, the usual problem of... of 
most ecological studies, um, which is that research grants don't last as long as the questions yeah. that you want so, to answer. Uh, I, ideally, these yeah. uh, logs that we did started this out with would be in a forest where we could have controlled what happened to the forest. So, I mean, we need a, we need an experimental <laughs> forest for the university. That would be great. Yeah. You need your own forest. <laughs> I know some researchers in Germany who have this kind of their own forests uh, where they control very much what happens and they're able to do some very good long-term experiments yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's been that's you know that's been really interesting, Ramway. That's really that's really helped me understand you know the big messages from your paper. And and I should tell you again, I really enjoyed reading it, and I'm glad we published it. And I hope that when you have some interesting work in the same area, you'll uh, you'll send that to sure, us in the future. I'm glad to. I'm glad to uh, get published. Okay. As well. <laughs> And it's been it's been really great talking yeah, to you today. Thank you very much.